ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سوران الحديث أب أبو سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه قال خرج رجلان في سفر فحضرت الصلاة وليس معهما ما فتيمما سعيدا طيبا فصليا ثم وجد الماء في الوقت فأعاد أحدهما الصلاة والوضوء ولم يعد الآخر ثم أتيا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فذكر ذلك له فقال للذي لم يعد أسبت السنة وأجزأتك صلاتك وقال للآخر لك الأجر مرتين رواه أبو داود النسائي In this hadith Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu narrates that two individuals they went out two men they went out on a journey and the time of the prayer came and they didn't have any water so they made the tayammum used the ground and they made the tayammum then they prayed after that they found water and the time for the prayer was still present. The time for that prayer hadn't finished yet and they ended up finding water. So one of them, he made the wudu and prayed again. And as for the other one, he did not. Then they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they mentioned that to him. So the Prophet ﷺ said to the one who didn't repeat the prayer again, you have done the sunnah and your prayer is sufficient for you. And he said to the other one, you will get the reward twice. So what is the meaning of this particular hadith and what are the regulations taken from it? So these two individuals, they went out on a journey. They went traveling, left from one place to travel to another place. And the time for the prayer, it arrived. And they didn't have any water. So they weren't able to make wudu. They were out on a journey somewhere. They left their home. They'd gone far away somewhere, outside of their city, traveling on a journey. And they didn't have any water with them. So when the time for the prayer came, they weren't able to make wudu. أي أنهما لم يحملا من الماء زيادة على الحاجة لأن عادتهم في السفر أنهم لا يحملون معهم الماء الكثير لأن في حمله مشقة وإنما كانوا يحملون معهم من الماء قدر حاجتهم للشراب وإصلاح الطعام فقط ولا يحملون زيادة على ذلك وليس المراد بأنهم لا يحملون الماء مطلقا ولو كان كذلك لهلكوا The Sheikh says the meaning of this is that even though they did have some water with them that water was only enough for drinking and for cooking purposes. They didn't have enough to be able to make wudu with as well. So when they were out on the journey, they went and they didn't have water sufficient to make wudu. They only had enough water to be able to drink and to cook their food, etc. Because it was their habit when they used to go out traveling in those days, that they would take water with them which was sufficient for their needs for drinking and for eating, etc. But they wouldn't carry additional spare water because it was heavy and it was difficult to carry that water. So they only had water sufficient to drink and to cook with in their food, etc. But they didn't have water spare 
to be able to make the wudu with. So in that case, they made the tayammum, they used the pure ground, and they made the tayammum and they prayed. This indicates that it was established with them, the legislation of tayammum. They knew about the legislation of tayammum. So when they didn't have enough water that was sufficient to make wudu with, then in that instance they made the tayammum. And this was after the revelation of the ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah. So they um, used the pure ground, the correct soil and ground, etc. The pure uh, ground to make the tayammum with. ثُمَّ صَلَّيَا اِمْتِثَالًا لِأَمْرِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ حَيْثُ قَالْ فَلَمْ يَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا And so after that when they made the tayammum, they prayed, they made the tayammum and they prayed in accordance to the statement of Allah that if you don't find water then make the tayammum. Then after that though, after they prayed, with the tayammum, later on, they ended up finding some water. They ended up finding some more water, sufficient to be able to make the wudu with. And the time for that particular prayer hadn't finished yet. ثُمَّ وَجَدَ الْمَاءَ فِي الْوَقْتِ فَأَعَادَ أَحَدَهُمَ الصَّلَاةَ وَالْوُضُوءَ وَلَمْ يُعِدَ الْآخَرَ So they found the water now, and the time for the prayer hadn't finished yet. So one of them, he used that water and he made wudu and he prayed again. Repeated the prayer because the time hadn't finished. But the other one, he didn't do that. Because the one who repeated it considered, he thought, that the tayammum is only allowed if the water cannot be found. Now in this instance, the water had been found. And the time for the prayer hadn't run out. So he therefore considered, now I will have to make the wudu properly. The water has been found now. So therefore he repeated and he prayed again. And the other one though, he didn't. And both of them did what they considered to be the correct thing to do in that situation from their ijtihad. So then afterwards they came and they told the Prophet ﷺ about this incident and how they differed over what to do. So the companions, these two individuals, when they had that issue and they differed about what needs to be done, one of them repeated the wudu and prayed, the other one did not. They came to ask the Prophet ﷺ about that situation. This was the way of the companions. That whenever something was difficult, whenever some issue arose, some situation, some circumstance, and they weren't sure about it, then they would go to the Prophet ﷺ and ask about it. And that's what is befitting for the Muslims to do. 
Sheikh Fawzan, Hafizahullah Allah says, it is befitting for the Muslims that they act upon that way also. That when you don't know about something in your religion, you don't just blindly do as you please, but you go to the people of knowledge. Ask the scholars, ask the people of knowledge about this issue in your religion that you're not aware of or that you have some confusion over so that you can find out the correct answer. That is in accordance to the statement of Allah. Ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ So when they asked the Prophet ﷺ, فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ ﷺ لِلَّذِي لَمْ يُعِدْ أَصَبْتَ السُنَّ وَأَجْزَأَتْكَ صَلَاتُكَ The Prophet ﷺ said to the one who didn't repeat the prayer again and didn't make the wudu, he said to him, you have done the sunnah. You've done the sunnah. You have uh, caught the sunnah. You've done what the sunnah is. And your prayer is sufficient for you. It's enough for you. It has uh, uh, taken the responsibility from you. You've prayed that prayer now. وَأَجْزَأَتْكَ صَلَاتُكَ لِأَنَّهُ فَعَلَ مَا أُمِرَ بِهِ بِحَسْبِ اسْتِطَاعَتِهِ بِحَسَبِ اسْتِطَاعَتِهِ وَلَمْ يَرَى مُبَرِّرًا لِلْإِعَادَةِ so the Prophet said to him, your prayer, it's enough for you. You've done the prayer now, you've prayed. You didn't need to repeat it to the one who didn't repeat it. The one who hadn't repeated the prayer, the Prophet said to him, that's okay, you've prayed. Your prayer is enough. What you prayed with the tayammum, that was enough. Because that individual had done what he was able within his ability. The water couldn't be found at the time. At the time, And so they made tayammum and he prayed. And he couldn't find any reason afterwards to have to repeat the prayer. Because at that time, they couldn't find water, so he made the tayammum and he prayed. So he couldn't see why there was a need to have to do it again. He had fulfilled what the sunnah says. If the time for the prayer comes, you can't find the water, make the tayammum and pray. And that's what he'd done. So he considered that he had done what was obligatory upon him, and that the responsibility had now been removed from him, and there was no need to repeat the prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ said to the other one who did repeat the prayer that you have got two rewards. Why? Because he prayed twice. فَلَهُ أَجَرْ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ بِالتَّيَمُّمْ وَلَهُ أَجَرْ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ بِالْوُضُوءِ وَهَذَا يَعْنِي أَنَّ كِلْتَ صَلَاتَيْنِ صَحِيحًا Because that individual prayed once in the tayammum and then he prayed again with the wudu, proper with the water. And both of those prayers were correct. Both of those prayers were correct. His ijtihad on praying the two prayers was okay. And therefore, he got a reward for both of the prayers. So what do we learn from this narration? Firstly, we learn obviously the obligation, or rather, rather you should say the legislation. The legislation of the tayammum. That that is something which can be used if you can't find water or you are unable to use water. فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا if you can't find water, then make the tayammum. So this hadith indicates the legislation of the tayammum. Al-mas'alatu thaniya, anna man wajad al-ma'a ba'da ma salla bit-tayammum, la yu'id al-salaa walau kana qabla khuruj al-waqt, li'annahu adama alayhi, wa innama yubtilu tayammum wujud al-ma'a, biwujud al-ma'a, idha kana qabla al-salaa, wa alayhi yuhmalu qawluhu, sallam, fa'idha wajad al-ma'a falyattaqillaha walyumissa basharata, the hadith indicates that if a person can't find water and the time for the prayer has come, then you make the wudu. And then you pray. Then after the prayer, if you find water now, and there is still time before that next prayer starts, before the next time starts, 
So there is still time for the same prayer to be prayed again. You don't have to use that water and make wudu now and pray again. That's what the hadith indicates. Because one of them he didn't. And the Prophet said to him, that's okay. Your first prayer was enough. So that means if somebody can't find water or he's unable to use water, and then he makes the tayammum and prays, then after the prayer, when there is still time left for that prayer, he finds water or he is now able to use water. He doesn't need to do that again. And the first prayer was sufficient. As for the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, that whomsoever from you finds water, then fear Allah and wetten your skin. Fear Allah and make that skin of yours wet with the water. Then that indicates, as the Shaykh says, or it can be understood to mean, that if a person, the prayer comes, the time comes, and he can't find water. So he does tayammum. But then before he starts praying, water does turn up. Before he starts praying, water turns up. Then he needs to make the wudu before praying. Now the water has turned up even before he starts praying. In that case, make the wudu before he prays. But if a person makes the tayammum and then he prays, then afterwards he finds the water, he doesn't have to repeat the prayer. المسألة الثالثة في الحديث دليل على وقوع الاجتهاد في زمنه صلى الله عليه وسلم فإن هذين الصحابيين اجتهدا أحدهما لم يعد الصلاة والثاني أعادها والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أقرهما على ذلك ومثل هذا حدث في غزوة بني قريظة لما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يسلين أحد العصر إلا في بني قريظة فخرجوا بعد صلاة الظهر قاسدين بني قريظة فأدركتهم الصلاة فأدركتهم صلاة العصر وهم في الطريق فاجتهدوا فبعضهم عمل بظاهر قول نبي صلى فأخر الصلاة إلى أن وصل إلى بني قريظة وقد غربت الشمس وبعضهم فهم كلام نبي صلى بأنه كناية عن السرعة لا على ظاهر الكلام فأدوا صلاة في الطريق قبل خروج وقتها بناء على الأصل ولما بلغ ذلك النبي صلى أقر الفريقين ولم يأمر أحدا بالإعادة فهذا الاجتهاد سائغ ولا مانع منه لأن له وجها واحتمالا من كلام رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم The third point to benefit here is that it indicates the permissibility of making that ijtihad or rather, rather you should rephrase that and say it indicates that the ijtihad occurred at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. That's the correct phrase. That the ijtihad occurred at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Because these two companions, they both made ijtihad. One of them made the ijtihad that you have to pray again. That was his consideration. That the water has been found, so you have to pray again. The other one made the ijtihad. The other one made the ijtihad that you don't have to pray again. So that occurred, and that is similar to the narration when uh, a group of them, they went out to Bani Quraidah, to the battle of Bani Quraidah, and the Prophet said to them, don't pray until you get there. So some of them, they decided not to pray the Asr prayer until they got there, even though it was after Maghrib when they got there. But the other group decided actually what the Prophet meant when he said, don't pray Asr until you get there, meaning be quick and get there quickly for Asr. But the fact that we haven't got there, so we'll just have to pray on the way now. So some of them prayed on the way. Then when they told the Prophet ﷺ, he affirmed the act of both of them. The ones who decided to go upon the apparent statement of the Prophet ﷺ, do not pray Asr until you get there. 
they were okay. And the others who understood from that statement that what the Prophet ﷺ means is, be quick and get there to pray Asr. But because they hadn't, then they said, okay, we'll just pray in the way. And they were okay as well. So this indicates that ijtihad did occur from the companions at that time. Al-Mas'alatu al-Rabi'ah fi al-Hadithi dalilun ala annahu la yajibu al-Talawwum wal-Intidhar ila akhir al-Waqt. فَإِذَا دَخَلَ وَقْتُ الصَّلَاةِ وَلَيْسَ عِنْدَ الْإِنسَانِ مَا فَلَهُ أَنْ يُسَلِّي وَلَا يَلْزَمُهُ تَأْخِيرُ الصَّلَاةِ إِلَى آخِرِ الْوَقْتِ حَتَّى يَفْقُدْ الْأَمَلْ مِنَ الْحُصُولِ عَلَى الْمَاءِ أَمَّا إِذَا كَانَ يَرْجُ الْحُصُولِ عَلَيْهِ بِغَلَبَةِ الظَّنِّ فَلَا بَأْسَ فِي ذَلِكَ وَكَذَلِكَ لَوْ صَلَّى فِي أَوَّلِ الْوَقْتِ فَلَا بَأْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَيْضًا فَهُوَ بِالْخِيَارِ the hadith indicates that it is not an obligation for somebody who can't find water to have to carry on looking up until the end of the time for the prayer. So for example, now Dhuhr, it starts in these days maybe 12.30 for example, and it finishes maybe 1.30 for example. That doesn't mean now if somebody's out there and 12.30 starts, so the time for Dhuhr starts, and they're out somewhere and they can't find any water. It doesn't mean that you have to keep looking and looking and looking all the way till 1.25. Now you think, okay, 1.25 is only 5 minutes, now we'll just have to make Tehmam and pray. You don't have to do that. Even in the beginning, 12.30, 12.40, 12 you can't find any water, you can make the Tehmam and pray. It's not an obligation to have to wait right till the end of the time is about to finish, and then you think to yourself, well, definitely I've not found any water, I'll just have to pray now, I've got no choice. It's not a necessity to have to wait. A person can pray once the time of the prayer starts and you can't find water, you can make the imam and pray. It's not a necessity to have to wait right till the end. That's what the hadith indicates too. Because how do we know that? The companions obviously prayed at the beginning time or the middle time. Because after the prayer, they still had time to make wudu and pray again. So that means they weren't praying right at the end time, they were praying before that. Because obviously they found water and one of them still had time to make the wudu again and pray again. So this indicates that if the time for the prayer starts, then the person has a choice. You can carry on looking for water if you like till the end, and if not, you can make the tayammum and pray. That's what the hadith indicates as Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan Allah mentions in summary. After that, we have the hadith of Ibn Abbas, رضي الله عنهما, في قوله عز وجل, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ مَرْضَى أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ That if you are ill or upon a journey. قال, Ibn Abbas said regarding that, إِذَا كَانَتْ بِالرَّجُلِ الْجَرَاحَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْقُرُوحِ فَيُجْنِبُ فَيَخَافُ أَنْ يَمُوتَ إِنْ اغْتَسَلَ تَيَمَّمَا رواه الدارقطني موقوفة ورفعه البزار وصححه ابن خزيمة الحاكم That if an individual has some injuries and wounds from battle fighting in the path of Allah and then he becomes in a state of janaba then he fears that if he was to make the ghusl that the water could affect those injuries and wounds and kill him then in that instance he is allowed to make the tayammum uh, so Ibn Abbas was giving the tafsir of this ayah. For Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma yufassiru hadhi al-ayah wa in kuntum marda aw ala safar. That if you are ill or upon a journey. 
بأن المراد بها من كانت به جراحة في الجهاد في سبيل الله that the meaning of that is somebody who has some injury due to fighting in the path of Allah يعني إصابة بصلاح أو حجر وغير ذلك أو قروح وهي عبارة عن البثور التي تنبت في الجلد meaning a person has some injuries due to a weapon or a rock or he has some wounds or other types of uh, wounds and injuries that occur on the skin. He has these types of things on his skin due to fighting in the path of Allah. لَيْسَ الْمَقْسُودُ وَالْمَعْنِيُّ هُنَا الرَّجُلَ الَّذِي بِهِ جَرَاحَ وَقُرُوحَ فَحَسْبَ وَإِنَّمَا الْمَعْنِيُّ جَمِيعُ مَنْ بِهِ مَرَضَ وَيَشُقُّ عَلَيْهِ اسْتِعْمَالُ الْمَاءِ And the meaning of it is not just somebody specifically who has injuries and wounds. But any type of illness on the skin that prevents you from using water is intended by this ayah as the shaykh mentions. So any individual who has some injury or wound or any other type of illness on the skin that prevents you from using water, then that is intended by this ayah that whoever is ill, then the illness is that. Injuries or wounds or any other type of illness that prevents you from using water, then that type of person then, if he becomes in a state of janaba, ritual impurity, so he needs to make the ghusl, but he fears due to these injuries or wounds or this uh, condition on his skin, this illness that if he uses water, he could die. He fears he could die by using water, going into these injuries and wounds or onto this condition that he has on his skin. So in that case, he can make tayammum. يعني إذا استعمل الماء بأن يدخل الماء في جراحته أو في قروحه فيتأذى بذلك فيموت فإنه يعدل إلى التيمم So if he fears that then he cannot use the water he can leave the water and do tayammum instead ورب سائل يسأل But maybe a questioner somebody might ask the question هل المراد بأنه لا يعدل المريض إلى التيمم إلا إذا خاف على نفسه الموت can a person only go and use tayammum instead of water if he fears he would die using that water? He has injuries, he has wounds, he has some skin condition. If he fears he will die by using the water, is that the only circumstance where he is allowed to make tayammum? Or can it be used for other circumstances too? Meaning that it's going to cause him severe pain, but not death. Maybe it's going to cause him severe pain but not death. Can he still do it or not? This is the question. The apparent meaning of the hadith indicates that it is death. That if a person thinks he could die from using the water, then he's allowed to make the tayammum instead of using the water. However, والصحيح أنه لا وجمهور أهل العلم بأن المريض إذا خاف على نفسه زيادة المرض باستعمال الماء أو خاف من تأخير الشفاء فله يتيمم. The reality is, as the majority of the scholars have said, that an individual who has some injury or wound or skin condition or illness, if he uses that water and he fears that by using water his illness or his skin condition or his wounds could become increased or greater, the illness could increase, the wounds could increase or become more painful and increase. If he fears that, or he thinks that the wounds would take longer to heal, or his skin condition would take longer to heal, 
For those types of reasons, again, he is allowed to use tayammum instead of having to use the water. فَلَهُ أَنْ يَتَيَمَّمْ كَمَا فَعَلَ عَمَرِ بْنِ الْعَاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ فِي سِرِيَّةِ ذَاتَ السَّلَاسِلْ لَمَّا خَافَ مِنْ بُرُودَةِ الْمَاءِ وَهُوَ سَلِيمُ الْجِسَمِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَكَانَ حِينَمَا قَائِدًا لِلْسَرِيَّةِ فَإِنَّهُ لَمَّا خَافَ بُرُودَةُ الْمَاءِ عَدَلَ إِلَى التَّيَمَّمْ خَشْيَةَ الْمَرَضِ حُدُوثِ الْمَشَقَّةِ uh, which had several parts to it. And when he feared the coldness, the freezing water, at that time it was freezing cold water, and that could affect the body. It could affect the body and it could bring illness to the body. So because of the severity of the cold water, it wasn't possible to do the ghusl, because it could affect the body, that severe cold water. So in that instance, he made the tayammum instead. And that was permissible. So that is regarding uh, when a person has some illness or some wound or some injury. If the person fears death by using water or fears that the illness could become worse or take longer to cure, then in that case you can use the tayammum instead of using the water on that illness. After that, an Ali radiallahu anhu qal, in kasarat ihda zandiyya fasa'altu rasulullah fa'amarani an amsaha ala al-jabair. رَوَهُ ابْنُ مَاجَ بِسَنَدٍ وَاهٍ جِدًّا This hadith of Ali ibn Abi Talib رضي الله عنه He says in كَسَرَتْ إِحْدَى زَنْدَيَّ He says one of my two arms broke الزندان هما الساعد والذراع The arm وَالْأَعْلَى مِنْهُمَا هُوَ السَّاعِدْ وَالْأَسْفَلْ مِنْهُمَا هُوَ الذِّرَعْ وَطَرَفُهُمَا الَّذِي يَلِي الْإِبْهَامُ هُوَ الْكُوعْ The wrist. So this zandiyya is the arm. So Ali ibn Abi Talib says, one of my arms broke. In this narration he says, one of my arms broke. And then he says, فَسَأَلْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ He says, so I asked the Prophet ﷺ about that. كَمَا هُوَ حَالُ الصَّحَابَ أَنَّهُمْ إِذَا أَشْكَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ شَيْءٌ يَسْأَلُونَ نَبِيَ سَلَّمُ Just like that was how the companions used to behave. Whenever there was something difficult, they would ask the Prophet ﷺ. So, Ali ibn Abi Talib, when one of his arms broke and he obviously had some bandage on it, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, how am I supposed to purify myself? How do I make the wudu? How do I make the ghusl, etc.? So then he asked the Prophet ﷺ that question. And the Prophet ﷺ said, فَأَمَرَنِي أَنْ أَمْسَحَ عَلَى الْجَبَائِرِ Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu says that the Prophet ﷺ told me to wipe over the bandages. To wipe over the bandages. فَالنَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَمَرَ عَلِيًّا أَنْ يَمْسَحَ عَلَى الْجَبَائِرِ بِدَلًا أو بدل أَنْ يَغْسِلَ مَا تَحْتَ الْجَبَائِرِ وَقَدْ سَبَقَ لَنَا الْمَسْحُ عَلَى الْخُفَّينَ وَالْمَسْحُ عَلَى الْعَمَامَةِ وَهَذَا نَوْعٌ ثَالِثٌ مِنَ الْمَمْسُوحَاتِ وَهُوَ الْجَبِيرَةِ فَاللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى خَفَّفَ عَنِ الْأُمَّةِ وَشَرَعَ لَهَا الْمَسْحِ عَلَى هَذَا الْحَالِ وَبَدَلًا عَنْ غَسْلِ مَا تَحْتَهُ فَلَوْ أَنَّ صَاحِبَ الْجَبِيرَةِ أَزَالَهَا وَغَسَلَ مَا تَحْتَهَا لَتَضَرَّرَ وَتَأَذَّى بِذَلِكَ لِذَا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَسَّرَ لِهَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ أُمُورَ دِينِهَا وَخَفَّفَ عَنْهَا so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the affairs easy upon the believers. 
If an individual has a bandage or a, uh, a cast on his arm or leg or wrist or something that's been broken, so he has the big bandages on it and the cast on it, then in that case, you are allowed to wipe over that area. Make the wudu everywhere else, make the wudu everywhere else, and when you get to that part, just wipe over it. It's not a necessity for you have to take off that bandage, take off that cast every time to wipe over, to wash the area underneath it. You don't have to do that. From the ease that Allah has given this nation, this, uh, the believers, the Muslims, is that you can wipe over that bandage or cast instead of having to take it off. And that is similar to what we mentioned about wiping over the socks and also wiping over the headscarf that is tied down firmly onto the head. That is permissible to wipe over. However, this hadith is uh, weak. The hadith is very weak. And it has Amr ibn Khalid al-Wasiti wa huwa kathab. There is a liar in the chain of narration. However, lakin hadith Jabir al-Ladhi yalihi yu'akkidu mashru'iyyat al-masr ala al-jabira. But the hadith which comes after that the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu anhuma, that hadith is authentic and that hadith backs up this hadith. Or rather, even that hadith has some weakness in reality, but it backs up this narration to a degree. And that is the hadith where uh, it mentions, فِي الرَّجُلِ الَّذِي شُجَّ رَأْسُهُ فَاغْتَسَلَ فَمَاتْ قَالَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ إِنَّمَا كَانَ يَكْفِيهِ أَنْ يَتَيَمَّمَا وَيَعْصِبَ عَلَى جُرْحِهِ خِرْقَى ثُمَّ يَمْسَحَ عَلَيْهَا وَيَغْسِلَ صَائِرَ جَسَدِهِ رَوَاهُ أَبُوْ دَاوُدٍ بِسَنَدٍ فِيهِ ضَعْفٍ وَفِيهِ اخْتِلَافٌ عَلَى رَوَاتِهِ This hadith it's narrated by Abu Dawud with some weakness in it and there's some difference about it but it is used by many of the scholars upon its authenticity in their opinion and that is the hadith where an individual had an injury in his head an individual had an injury in his head and so when he made the ghusl he poured the water over it he ended up dying the water went into the injury, he ended up dying. And then the Prophet ﷺ said it would have been enough for him to tie a bandage around that wound, around that injury, and just wipe over that area, instead of pouring water over it. So that hadith also indicates this issue of wiping over the bandages and the casts, where they are due to some injury or some broken bone, etc. وَالْجَبِيرَةُ تُخَالِفُ الْمَسْحُ عَلَى الْخُفَيْنُ وَعَلَى الْعَمَامَةِ فِي أُمُورِ However, there is a difference between wiping over the socks and wiping over the bandage or the cast. الْأَمْرُ الْأَوَّلِ Firstly, أَنَّ الْمَسْحَ عَلَى الْجَبِيرَةِ لَا يَتَحَدَّدْ بِمُدَّةِ وَإِنَّمَا يُمْسَحُ أَوْ يَمْسَحُ الْإِنسَانُ مَا دَامَ مُحْتَاجًا إِلَى بَقَاءِ we said that wiping over the socks had a limit. How much was the time for somebody who is resident? Somebody who's at home, is not traveling, can wipe over the socks for how long? 24 hours. And somebody who's traveling? Three days. That is different to the bandage or the cast which you have for a broken arm or some other uh, uh, injury like that. Because the cast and the bandage, how many days can you wipe over it? Is it the same? Only three days, then you have to get a new one? Uh-uh. You can carry on wiping over the bandages and the casts for as long as they are there. Maybe the arm, it takes a month to heal up. So you can carry on wiping over your bandage for a month. Until it comes off. Until the cast comes off. So that's the difference between the cast and the bandage. 
that goes on these heavy bandages, these heavy casts, you can carry on wiping over them as long as you want until they come off. Whereas the socks, only up to three days for a traveler, only one day for somebody who's resident, then you have to remove them and wash the feet. الأمر الثاني أن المسح على الخفين وعلى العمامة إنما يشرع في الحدث الأصغر. As for wiping over the socks and the amama, the uh, headscarf which is tied down tightly, that was only from the minor impurity. For wudu, are you allowed to wipe over the socks in ghusl? If somebody is making ghusl from janaba, are you allowed to keep your socks on and just wipe over them? Of course not, you have to take them off and make the full ghusl. But in this instance, imagine you have a bandage around your ankle, a cast around your ankle, and you have to make ghusl, you become in a state of janaba. Do you have to take the cast off for the ghusl, or can you still wipe over it in the ghusl as well? For this one, you can wipe over it in ghusl as well. You can wipe over it in the ghusl as well, in the major impurity as well. Because it's too difficult. If you have a broken arm, then you go into a state of janaba, you need to make the ghusl. It's impossible. You can't remove that cast. And you have a broken arm and then make the ghusl and then go back to the hospital and put a new cast on. It's not possible. So in that instance, for the janaba as well, for the major impurity as well, the ghusl you can wipe over the cast and the bandages, the heavy bandaging that can't be taken off. الأمر الثالث أنه يشترط في المسح على الخفين وعلى العمامة أن يلبسهما على طهارة لقول سأسلم للمغيرة بن شعبة لما أراد أن ينزع خفين دعهما فإني أدخلتهما طاهرتين بخلاف المسح على الجبيرة فإنه على الصحيح من قولي العلماء لا يشترط أن يلبسهما على طهارة فلو لبسهما وهو غير متطهر جاز المسح عليهما Another one of the differences is that the wiping of the socks and the amama that was only allowed if you put the socks on in a state of wudu, in a state of purity. If you had put those socks on upon a state of purity, afterwards you could wipe over them. But if your wudu broke and you weren't wearing socks, then you can't put socks on and then go and make wudu and just wipe on them. You needed to have put those socks on when you were upon a state of purification. Whereas with the bandage and the cast, it's not a condition upon the correct statement of the scholars, as Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan hafizahullah mentions. That maybe a person breaks his arm, he goes to hospital, emergency treatment, and the cast is put on. And he wasn't in wudu when that happened. So the scholars, they say, it's still okay to wipe over it. It's not a condition for these bandages and casts to have to be upon purification when you put them on, upon the correct statement of the scholars, even though there is difference, as Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan hafizahullah mentions. الأمر الرابع أنه يكتفي بمسح ظاهر الخف وظاهر العمامة بخلاف الجبيرة فإنها يمسح عليها كلها يمسح عليها كلها كلها ولا يترك منها شيء ولا يمسح عليه Another difference between the cast or the bandage compared to the socks is the socks you can just wipe over the top the amama, the headscarf, you can just wipe over the top. Whereas with the bandaging, the cast, you can't just wipe over the top and that's it. All sides of it have to get the water on it. All parts of it have to get the water on it. You can't leave any part of it. All parts of it have to be wetted with that water. It must be done everywhere. 
Not just that you can just wipe over the top on one side and leave it all. But you must do all sides of that bandage. Make all sides of that bandage with the water. That's what the Shaykh mentions as part four. So in this hadith, we can see that it is permissible to wipe over those bandages if somebody has some breakage or broken bone or some other injury. Then it can be wiped over, but you must wipe over all parts of it, not just one side of it. That's what the Shaykh mentions here. Uh, after that, we have the hadith, uh, which is what we mentioned already, the hadith of Jabir, where an individual, he had an injury in his head. And that individual, he ended up making the ghusl, because he needed to make the ghusl, he was upon a state of major impurity, he had to make the ghusl. So he ended up making the ghusl and putting water onto this injury in his head, and he ended up dying. So when they told the Prophet ﷺ, he said, that it was enough for him to make tayammum. He could have made tayammum. And he could have just put some cloth over the injury and wiped over it. And that would have been enough. And the rest of his body, he could have made the ghusl. So the part on the head where he had the injury, the Prophet said he could have just put some cloth over it. And then just wiped over that area without any water. He could have just done tayammum on that area, wiped over it and made the ghusl on the rest of his body. So that part didn't have to have water on it. He could have done that. Uh, and this is a, a story which is mentioned that Jama'a kharaju fi zamani Nabi Sallallahu musafirin fa asabat ahaduhum hasa' fi ra'sihi fashajjathu thumma ihtalama bil-layl There was a group of them who went out on a journey and one of them was injured in his head. Then at night he had a wet dream so he ended up in a state of janaba so he needed to make the ghusl now. Uh, and so he asked the companions who were with him and they said, we can't allow you to make tayammum in this instance. You've got an injury in your head. We don't allow that to be a reason for tayammum. So they said, you need to make the ghusl. They said, we don't think you have the right to make tayammum. So he ended up making the ghusl and he died as a consequence. So when the Prophet ﷺ was told about that, he said, قَتَلُوهُ Allah." He said, they killed him. By giving that fatwa to him, by giving that ruling to him, they've ended up killing him. They should have asked if they didn't know. Because indeed the cure for not knowing is to ask. It would have been enough for him to just make the tayammam and to wrap some cloth on that and then wash the rest of his body. That would have been enough. Uh, so this indicates... Um, uh, that the tayammum was enough for that individual, he wouldn't, on the head part, and he wouldn't have had to put the water over it. وَقَدْ يَرِدُ هُنَا سُؤَالُ وَهُوَ أَنَّهُ وَرَدَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ ذِكْرُ التَّيَمُّمْ أَلَا يَكْفِي الْمَسْحُ عَلَى الْعَصَابَةِ فِي هَذِي الْحَالِ الجواب الظاهر والله أعلم بأن التيمم ذكر هنا فيما لو كانت العصابة زائدة على الحاجة ويشق أو يضر نزعها لذا شرع التيمم شرع التيمم عن الزائد من العصابة Tayammum has been mentioned here and that is if that is if the Shaykh says Allahu A'lam the injury was more than or the, the injury was in an area which was more than the need and it was difficult to remove that or the injury was excessive in that way then the tayammum could be made uh, rather than having to use water on the rest of the parts also. 
But the point being here, the narration about the head injury was that he didn't have to use the water there. It would have been sufficient to do the tamam in that area. فَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ يَدُلُّ كَمَا دَلَّ حَدِيثَ عَلِي عَلَى أَنَّ الْجَرَاحَ وَالْكَسَرِ إِذَا كَانَ عَلِيهِمَا شَدٌ فَإِنَّهُ يُمْسَحُ عَلَى مَا شُدَّ عَلَيْهِ وَلَا يَغْسِلُ So if an injury has some cloth or some bandage over it, then you can wipe over that, you don't have to remove it. The narration after that. وَعَنْ ابْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا قَالْ مِنَ السُنَّةِ ثم يتيمم للصلاة الأخرى رواه الدارقطني بإسناد ضعيف جدا. In this hadith of Ibn Abbas, the final hadith of the chapter of Tayammum, he says that from the Sunnah is that a person should not pray more than one prayer with Tayammum. Meaning, if the time for Dhuhr comes and you can't find water or you can't use it, then you make the Tayammum. Then when Asr comes, again you have to make the Tayammum. Maghrib comes still no water, again you have to make the tayammum. You have to make the tayammum for every prayer that you pray. That's what this hadith seems to indicate. And in reality it is mentioned that the hadith is weak. Uh, however, the fact that Ibn Abbas says, Mina sunnah, from the sunnah is to do that, then that phrase, from the sunnah, to do such and such, indicates that this is a narration directly from the Prophet wasallam. Because Ibn Abbas couldn't say himself, this is from the sunnah, if he hadn't heard that from the Prophet That's what it indicates. And sometimes you see in the narrations where it says, we used to be commanded to do such and such. That means this is from the Prophet because who is the one who used to command the companions? The Prophet So in any case, uh, the meaning of the hadith, even though it is actually very weak, the hadith, as we mentioned, is actually very weak. But it says that you're supposed to make the tayammum for every prayer that you pray. هذا الحديث يدل على أن حكم التيمم ينتهي بالصلاة وأنه إذا أراد أن يصلي صلاة أخرى فلا بد من تيمم آخر وهذا يؤيد قول من قالوا إن التيمم مبيح للصلاة وليس رافع للحدث لأنه لو كان رافع للحدث لما احتاج أن يتيمم للصلاة أخرى فَالْمُتَوَضِّئِ إِذَا تَوَضَّأَ يُصَلِّ مَا دَامَ وَضُوءُهُ بَاقِيًا فَلَوْ كَانَ التَّيَمُّمْ مِثْلَ الْوَضُوءُ لَمَا احْتَاجَ إِلَىٰ أَنْ يَتَيَمَّمَ لِكُلِّ صَلَاةٍ So this hadith indicates that the person needs to make wudu for every prayer and that backs up the statement of the scholars who say that tayammum isn't like the wudu, it doesn't remove the impurity, it only makes the worship allowed for you to do temporarily, because if it removed the impurity like wudu, then you wouldn't need to make the tayammum again. But like we said, the hadith is weak, and therefore you cannot make the ruling upon this hadith. وَهُوَ بِهَذِ الْحَالِ لَا يُقَاوِمُ الْحَدِيثُ وَلَدِلَّ أَلَّتِي تَدُلُّ عَلَى أَنَّ التَّيَمُّمْ رَافِعٌ لِلْحَدِثُ وَلَيْسَ مُبِيحًا فَقَطْ فَعَلَى هَذَا فَإِنَّ الْمَرْأَ إِذَا تَيَمَّمَ فَلَهُ أَنْ يُصَلِّيَ مَا However, the Shaykh says this hadith, because it is weak, then it cannot be used as an evidence. And the reality therefore is that if a person makes tayammum, he can carry on using that tayammum for the prayer after that, and the prayer after that, as long as he can't find any water, he can carry on on the same tayammum, praying all the other prayers, just like he would have done with wudu. A person might make wudu at dhuhr and pray asr and maghrib, all with the same wudu. With the tayammum, you can do that too. Make the tayammum at dhuhr, and if you still can't find any water afterwards, you can pray your asr on the same tayammum. You don't have to make it again. 
That's what the uh, uh, position is, as Sheikh Saleh al-Fawzal, Hafizahullah ta'ala mentions, uh, regarding that issue. And that is the end of the chapter regarding the tayammum. And the next chapter, after the tayammum, is the chapter of the menstruation. So this is a chapter that is particularly useful for the women, the sisters, the chapter regarding the periods and the menstruation and the rulings about that. That is going to be the next chapter. So all of the women, the sisters, they should make an effort to attend even further from next week. And the men should still attend and still encourage the others to attend because this is knowledge that is required by everyone. It is knowledge that is required by the men to educate the women of their families, the daughters of their families, etc. And it is needed by the women themselves because they are the ones who are in need to practice it. So inshallah from next week, inshallah, uh, next week it's uh, on Saturday, the lesson is not on. So in two weeks time inshallah we'll continue. Uh, so revise everything that we've done. Next week, uh, I can't make it on Saturday, but the week after that, Saturday 19th of January, inshallah, we'll carry on. And we'll start with the chapter of the menstruation. So just next week, one week is off. Inshallah.